welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I want to jump into the word real quick um, because well, we worship for a while and that's okay. Uh, we were singing the word. Now we're going to open the word and and eat it a little bit. I'm going to consume it just a little bit. These are the words of Jesus from Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the rule of God, what it means when God is in charge. The rule of God, the kingdom of heaven, he says, he says, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself doesn't know how. For the earth, he says, yields crops, he say that with me, by itself. This is the, this is the by itself principle that we've been preaching on. Uh, the earth yields crops by itself, he says, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately the man puts in the sickle. So we've been talking about uh, this idea that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, your faith, my faith, grows by itself, grows naturally. God doesn't work mechanically. Um, he doesn't grow with push-button style. He doesn't grow with machines. He doesn't, he doesn't grow us through a, a, uh, 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 an industrial revolution process. He grows us naturally. He grows our faith naturally. By the way, all living things <clears throat> must grow naturally. If you, if you take a mechanical mindset to to a living thing, you, you will kill it. Because living things are not machines. Machines aren't living things. And so often we approach our walk with God from a machine <clears throat> mindset. Because we grow, we've grown up in a machine world. Uh, some would say a material world. And that's why you're a material girl. But I'm just saying, this is actually a machine world. And that's why you're a machine type person. It's why we think like machines. That's why whenever, even, even pastors, man, when we say, yeah, we want to plant a church, that word plant, that means organically grow something, right? But then right off the bat, we start measuring things like attendance and money that comes in and all these machine type things. And we say, well, what we need is a, is a good worship leader and what we need is this. We need, and we need to add all these things. Well, that's machine thinking. Plants, when they're, when they're planted, they don't say, oh, I, I, I need to go get another branch from that plant over there. You don't see plants doing that. Plants grow all by themselves. They grow naturally. Churches should grow naturally. Uh, the Asbury Revival, the awakening of God should happen naturally. You don't schedule it. And if any of you have ever been to Asbury, like I have, you'll know that happened naturally. Trust me, this is like one of the driest, spiritually speaking, one of the driest places I've ever walked into on the planet. It's like the Sahara Desert. Like spiritually, you walk in there and you can smell the must of faith that used to be a hundred years ago. I mean, it's, it's rough. And for a few students to gather a week, about a week and a half ago and stay after chapel and pray and seek God, that's, that's revival. Now, what we like is the pictures of all, all the people that flocked to the thing. That's machine thinking. That's addition. Right? So that's what we try to get. We, we, we want that. And with, but, but that happens through social media. That happens through marketing. Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with social media. There's nothing wrong with marketing. There's nothing wrong with addition. 
But the, 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 what God wants to do is he wants to grow something naturally, which, which I think is why they're shutting down public meetings. I think it's starting tonight is the last public meeting at, uh, at Asbury. And I think it's a great plan. I think it's absolutely awesome because, you know, I, was, I, was, I have some friends. So, so Asbury is located in Kentucky, and it's just a little, it's not far from where I went to school. And it's basically as spiritually dead as where I was at. And um, I mean, you don't understand. Like, if you've never been in these places, you, 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 you wouldn't, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't register just how spiritually dead. Like, we started having a little revival when I was there. We were baptizing some guys at midnight, past midnight, out in the creek. And I got in trouble. The president of the, of the college called me and, Harry, I always liked you. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's never good when the conversation starts out. I always, in the past... And I was like, oh boy. And uh, we can't be, we, uh, everything has to happen in decency and in order. We can't be having, you know. And so, man, I mean, just, like, if God ever tried to move, they lock him up, right? And put some handcuffs on him and say, hey, calm down now. We can't be having none of that. We weren't allowed to even have conversations about tongues. Like, we, we weren't allowed to speak in tongues in public, but we weren't even allowed to have conversations about tongues. Yeah, we weren't supposed to talk about speaking in tongues. Not speaking. Yeah, you had to sign a thing when you went to, and that, that was my Bible college. And, and so Asbury's not too far from that, and it's not too far off from kind of just like, we're going to control things, we're going to do, we're going to sing a couple songs, we're going to have a little, little message, and then we're going to go about our day. And so the fact that God's showing up, like, that's awesome. Because some of these places, they're like, oh, revival, it's coming. And it's like, bro, you said that last week. You know what I mean? Like at your church, that's what you said. You literally said revival time. Every single time you get together, supposedly it's hair on fire revival. But like Asbury is different because it, it, it wasn't like that. They, they, they weren't getting in circles and gathering and just speaking in tongues and praying. Like that, that doesn't happen in those, some of those places. And so the fact that, that God naturally did something. That's what really shows that it's natural. But what happens is you start addition and that kills the natural. People are flocking and, and uh, they're, they're interested in, in observing. They're interested in critiquing. Or they're just, they're, they're just hungry for revival, not for Jesus. And there's a difference. Like, oh, I want to feel something. I want to be stirred. And they'll go wherever they'll get stirred. Whatever church stirs them the most, that's where they'll go. And so what you see is though that the Asbury thing was happening, happening naturally. And some beautiful things have happened. What you see in revival that happens naturally, you see deep repentance of sin. You see deep, open confession of sin. Bold confession. You see deep repentance and change and awareness of sinfulness. And an awareness of the love of Jesus. That's what you see. And he's elevated. And it's not a particular worship leader. In fact, a lot of like, pretty famous folks have contacted Asbury and said, hey, we can come lead worship for you. And they said, no thanks. We have, some, some, we have some students who don't really know what they're doing, and we would prefer that because that's how God works, you know? And throughout history, this has been, a, like as somebody who studies revival, this is generally how revivals start. They start small, and they start in repentance and prayer. And so I want to talk to you today just quickly. I mean, I've just been, I've been so encouraged by all of the reports. My, uh, my newsfeed flooded by, by pictures and videos of revival, of awakening. I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. And uh, man, I, as, 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 I was, as I was just experiencing this, we're also looking at, hey, how does God grow us? How does God grow City Chapel? How does God grow my faith? And so we've been looking at a, a few principles 
about growth. And uh, we are walking through Mark, the Gospel of Mark, verse by verse, but we've kind of hit pause for a second to really dig into this right here. How does God grow my faith? Well, he grows it naturally. And so there are some principles, some natural life principles, uh, biological principles that we're studying. The first one last week was interdependence which is where all living things are dependent on other living things. This is true of like plants and animals and humans and your faith. Your faith is a living thing. Your faith is dependent on other people's faith. And I know that that kind of sounds wrong because we're used to a personal relationship with Jesus. But, but I'm telling you, your faith is dependent on other people's faith. It, it, faith. It's a corporate faith. So interdependence is, is a key. And when you begin to understand interdependence and, and, and utilize it and walk in it, allow interdependence to do its work, that's where you see some, some real growth. The second factor that I want to talk to you briefly about today is multiplication. I may have to spend two weeks on this because this is a really big one. But all natural things, all living things, naturally, when they are healthy, tend to multiply. This is, a, this is a key principle of natural things. Reproduction, uh, multiplication. In fact, it's baked into God's design in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, he creates a living thing. What does he do? He tells it to multiply. He tells the fish to multiply, to reproduce after their own kind. He tells the animals on the land to reproduce after their own kind. He tells the trees. Talking to trees. That's how God rolls. He's talking to trees. He tells them to re reproduce after their own kind. As soon as he creates Adam and Eve, what does he tell them? Be fruitful and multiply. And so multiplication is, is something that God set in motion when he created the world. Because he wasn't going to create and recreate and recreate and recreate. Instead, he created once, and the things that he created once, he told them to multiply. Now, we understand from Jesus' parable that I think was on the screen that, 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 that growth happens from God. God causes growth. But we understand that our job is to plant the seed. And so involved in planting is this idea of multiplication. If you don't plant when, with, with a mindset of multiplication, then your, your, your plants won't grow very well. Why? Because you'll stick them too close together, they'll strangle each other, and they'll die. So you have to plant with certain distance between plants because you're allowing for growth and multiplication. So as you're, as you're living your life, I'm telling you, multiplication is a part of the way that God's going to grow your faith. And so something about multiplication, one truth about multiplication is multiplication or reproduction always starts small. And that's why, as I see the Asbury Revival, I see like eight or ten like folks, you know, 22-year-olds 20, in a chapel deciding to seek God and pray extra long after, after chapel service is over. That's how multiplication starts. It starts small. It starts insignificant. It starts tiny. Uh, when, 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 a, when a married couple decide to have a baby, that's exactly what they have is a baby, not a full-grown person. <laughs> so you give birth to a baby. And babies, you know, I mean, they're, they're cute, they're snuggly, they smell like heaven and gumdrops. I don't know what that smell is. I don't know why they smell so good. But anyway, yeah, they're lovely, but they're a lot of work. Babies are messy. Babies, babies can't go to the bathroom on their own. Babies can't eat on their own. Babies can't, like, move from one room to another on their own. Babies are helpless. Babies are messy, and multiplication is messy. Which is why a lot of churches opt instead for addition instead of multiplication. Because it's easier to get a full-grown person 
you know, into their church. And so they'll happily have you if you already know about tithing. They'll happily welcome you if you already are a great worshiper or a prayer warrior. And in fact, they'll try to recruit from other churches. That's not multiplication. That's addition. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with addition, but Jesus commanded us to multiply, multiply. The difference between addition and multiplication in, in that sense is uh, when it's addition, we basically, I turn you all into recruiters. And you go recruit, you go get people who really would be great people for church. And it's like, okay, I'm going to recruit them because they're good at this, good at that, good at the other. And so you recruit people. Well, the, the thing with recruiting is when you're, at, when you're recruiting somebody, you're doing it because it benefits you. And people pick up on that. And so you go to work, you try to get people to come to church because it benefits you. And pastors try to grow their church because it makes them feel better. And so it benefits them. And so what happens is addition is really speaking to a need that I have. Or need that you have that somebody else would respond to. And, and, and that's not multiplication. Multiplication is really parenting. So God desires to raise up parents, not recruiters. People who give birth to stuff. Now parenting requires love. Parenting requires sacrifice. Parenting says I care about you over myself. In fact, if there's only like one hamburger, if we only have enough money for one hamburger, I'm going to give it to my child before I eat it. I'm going to make sure that my, my kid is taken care of before I'm taken care of. It, it has to do with affection. It has to do with love. And this is what God wants to do. God wants to multiply his church, not just simply from, from adding people from Facebook. If you saw us on Facebook and visited us today, that's cool. That's wonderful. But the real way that God grows his church is through multiplication. It's through, it's through, it's through relationships where somebody cares for somebody else and sows into their life. And then out of that, like they come along to church with them. So, I mean, it's a great example. I, 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 didn't, I didn't ask him if I can share it, so I probably won't say his name. But John was telling me at the, um, at the Valentine's Day meal. <laughs> John last week, John, John, John won, John won the, the, the what, what do we have? The, who was it? Vince Young. It was Vince Young's jersey, signed jersey. Vince Young, uh, University of Texas last week. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and we did a, the drawing, and John came down and won it. And like Sunday afternoon, I was surprised. We were getting ready to watch the Super Bowl. He already had it in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, a holder, a, like a, one of those boxes with the glass and stuff. Like it was already like all set up in his house. Like he already had the shrine built. Like he was ready to go. And uh, I was like, man, that's pretty awesome. And so I guess like Monday, he was saying that he was like sharing, it, sharing the story with people at his work. And so people were like, oh, cool, your church gave away a jersey. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I didn't know you went to church, blah, blah, blah. And so then out of that, this lady, if I'm getting the story right, said, hey, like kind of privately said, hey, could you pray for me? And she began sharing all this stuff that she's going through. And so then he said, sure. And, 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 and those of you that know John, uh, John, John and Sandra are new to our church. Um, but John shared with us early on that, that he doesn't, he's not like a proficient professional prayer in public. Um, unlike the rest of us, we're all just pros at this. So we just, we just great orators. And so John, like he, he, he did what many of us don't do. He prayed with her right then and there. What's that? That's multiplication. That's John. (laughs) 
that's John. See, 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 see what happened is John attended 21 days of prayer. John and Sandra, like almost every night they were there. And one of the nights, like, like some guys got around in a circle and John said, well, I've never actually prayed in public. And, and uh, 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 where's Baker? Uh, Mr. Baker, Allen, wherever he is. Allen, like kind of like guilted him into praying. And, and, so, and so he did. And then later on, Allen like, like publicly put him on the spot into praying. So there was a couple of times during that time where John was growing, and now God takes John, who's just growing. He's not like a professional. He's not Billy Graham yet, but he takes him who's just growing, and, he's, and he says, hey, how about you use that, that small thing that you did in that prayer meeting that you thought didn't really matter, and it's just kind of like, well, whatever. And it's like, yeah, use that small thing over here, and now that small thing transfers over to somebody else. And I guarantee it's not a small thing for that lady. And so what happens is God takes something small and naturally asks us to father something, to birth something, to care enough about somebody that we're not just trying to recruit them, not just trying to get them to come to my church because I feel better when lots of people here, which by the way, John and Sandra are at City Chapel because Corbin uh, invited Kara, right? So like a few months ago, Corbin, so, so Corbin's already beating like most of us in this, like she's already multiplying like way more than most of us are, you know, but it's not, it's not just a personality thing. It's like when you, when you figure out a love for people, when you have a love for God and a love for people, you care about them right? And so if there's something that will help them, if there's something that will bless them, if there's something that will be good for them, you share that. That's called multiplication. So when I'm talking about multiplication, man, we are a church that's constantly going to be pushing multiplication, not addition. And so our goal is to raise up fathers and mothers. Our goal is to raise up people who will share what they've been given with somebody else and bless them, not recruiters, but, but fathers and mothers, not recruiters, but mentors, not recruiters, but people who, who care and love the people that they are reaching. Which means this place is going to be messy. It's going to be less like a funeral home and more like a, a maternity ward. <laughs> you know? Dr. So-and-so, we need you right now. Oh my gosh, I'm going to kill you. You did this to me. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. Like, yeah, like, that's what, and if you walk in, you're kind of like, it seems kind of good. Yeah, that's why. Because we're birthing people. We're, we're birthing souls. And it's messy. And they don't always come out with the right theology. They don't always pop out with the right thinking. They always pop out with the right words or wear the right clothes or say the right things or stand up at the right time or sit at the right time or kneel at the right time or raise their hands or raise their hands at all. They're not, you don't, you don't give birth to a full-grown adult. You give birth to a baby. And you nurture that baby to growth, to maturity. That's multiplication. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be just adding folks from other churches. I mean, if you're here from another church, I mean, you're welcome. Well, come on in. But you're not going to be allowed to just sit. If you didn't grow there, you might not grow here. I don't know. But if you don't grow here, hopefully you'll find somewhere else that you will grow. Because the point is that you grow, and the way you grow is through multiplication. Some people feel like they have to be a certain level before they can participate in multiplication. No, no, no. You will never be a certain level until you participate in multiplication. Because multiplication is how God grows us. When he asks us to multiply, when he challenges us to multiply, 
then he grows us through that multiplication. So you say, well, how, how does he do that? I had a whole um, long scripture to read to you. You can go home and read Matthew 25, 14 through 27. We're not, we don't have time for it today. It's the parable of what is called the parable of the talents. And it's a beautiful picture of Jesus describing how the kingdom of God works, that he gives us something, uh, in, in this case, gold. And then he asks us to multiply that gold, right? And so it's a parable, not just about money, but it's a parable about our lives that he's given us gifts and talents and he wants us to multiply those. And it's interesting in that parable, I'll give you the, the, the short version, that at the end of the age, the, the, the God calls us to account. And people, according to this parable, I know you can't build a whole salvific you know, doctrine around it by itself because there's other scriptures involved with salvation. But with the, in this parable, people went to heaven or to hell based on what they did with what God gave them. Which means God sees it as a very big deal. What he has given you. And what you do with it. Because it, it actually affects you. It determines how you feel about him. It determines how you respond to him. For instance, if you say, I have faith in God. I believe God. I have faith in God. But you do not give to him financially, sacrificially. You're lying. You don't really have faith in him. You don't really trust him. Because, well, I can't afford to give God my money. He can't take care of me in that way. And so what happens is, what you do with what God's given you affects how you feel about God. Just read the parable. The third guy who didn't do anything, do you know how he felt about God? He said he was a hard man, a difficult man, planted where he didn't sow, reaped where he didn't sow. In other words, he was unjust. And he was afraid. What he did with what God gave him caused him to fear God and instead of honor him and reverence him. He was too afraid of him. And so what happens is, what we do with what God's given us really does affect what we believe about God. Multiplication starts out small. And so don't, don't, don't despise small things or small beginnings or small little praying in public in a, in a little prayer circle. Because that's how it starts. It starts small. And then it grows from there naturally right? And, 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 and this is how. So that's, the, that's, that's the, basically the mandate. The mandate of multiplication is that God has charged us with multiplication. Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all people. And so this is, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to multiply. We're supposed to duplicate ourselves. But, the, but I want to talk briefly about the methods of multiplication, the way in which we do that. And it's important, I just mentioned tithing. That is one way that we multiply, is through tithing. Tithe is 10%. We believe at City Chapel that, that, that the Bible teaches that we ought to honor God with the first fruits. In other words, the first bit of money that he, he gives us through our job, through investments, through our tax return. Come on, somebody. We're about to get that. I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, through, 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 through whatever money, through whatever increase, Whatever increase comes into my life, I, I take 10% off the top and I, and I give it to God. And so I have a couple of scriptures for you around that. This isn't going to be a whole tithing sermon, but Proverbs tells us uh, 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. And when you do that, something happens. Then he says, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Jesus put it this way. He said, give and it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men return it to your bosom? So God will use people, oftentimes not even church people, 
to bless you when you put him first. And, 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 and this is, this is, this is a, a multiplication thinking. In order to really give financially to God, in order to tithe, you have to have a multiplication mindset. And for those of you that have, that have, have a hard time with that, I totally understand. I grew up in a home that we, I didn't see money that way. You know what I mean? I didn't think of money in terms of multiplication. I thought of money in terms of addition and subtraction. It's a very machine way of thinking about it. I remember I was like 15 or 16 and Peter and I were back in the bedroom and Peter just talked about, he just said, I'm never going to get a credit card. That's what he said. And it's kind of interesting because I was like, why not? Like, why not? Why wouldn't you get a credit card? Everybody I knew had a credit card or I think they did. I was like, how else are you going to pay for stuff if you can't get debt, you know? Because it's not like, because I figured I was, be, I was going to be in ministry all my life. I figured I wasn't going to have a lot of money. So how else am I going to get the things that I need unless I go in debt? And I just figured debt's a part of life. Everybody that I know is in debt, or at least a lot of people that I think. Anyway, it's like, you're just going to be in debt all of your life. So who cares? If it's a credit card, if it's Wells Fargo, if it's whoever. And uh, Peter was like, oh no, you know, the interest rate is so high. and They charge you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, who cares? You make the min- if you can make the minimum payment, then it doesn't matter what the interest rate is. You get your stuff, you pay whatever it is every month, you're in debt anyway for the rest of your life, so why not just, you know, that, that was my thinking at the time. And it's a terrible way of thinking. It's really bad, but that's just the way that I thought. Now, what's interesting is as we grew up, I ended up not getting credit cards. And um, anyway, I, I, God, God did some shifting in my heart, but it took a little while. Uh, I, I, I put a lot, I, I borrowed a lot from Sally May, for instance, when I went to Bible college, which was ridiculous. But anyway, um, but it, it, God had to shift over time my thinking about money. I thought in terms of addition. So if you want more money, you go make more money. That's what I thought. If you want more money, you have to go make more money. You have to go earn more. You have to work harder, longer hours, whatever it might be, to earn more money. And then you stack it in the bank, this little savings. And then it's there, these, the stack, and then when you want to buy something or you need to buy something, you take from the stack, you buy what you need to buy. And then if you don't have enough in your stack, then you borrow from somebody else to buy what you, what, what you want to buy. And because it's, you know, it was just addition and subtraction, where, where in, in that mindset, giving to the Lord is just a subtraction, right? When you tithe, it just comes out of your bank account. Just like spending, just like getting a car or, or new furniture or something. It's just a subtraction. And that's all I thought about money was that there was addition and there was subtraction. And it wasn't until I started hanging out with more wealthy people that I realized money was actually a tool for multiplication. It could actually be used to reproduce itself, to make more money by itself perfect example is the whole debt thing that I was talking about. Debt is basically the principle of multiplication working against you. The banker is using the principle of multiplication to get rich off of you. You say, well, no, I'm, I'm using their money to get this car that I want. <laughs> no, 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 you're not. They're giving you a chunk of money and they will demand you to pay every single penny of that back. So whose money did you buy the car with? That was yours. Oh, and by the way, not only are they going to make you pay every penny back, they're also going to charge you <laughs> a stupid tax for, or, you know, a poverty tax, honestly, because rich people don't do this. It's only people who are desperate that do this. So it's a poverty tax of 
called interest, whereby they won't even make you just pay back what you borrowed. Now you're going to pay back upwards of 50% to 100% of what you, sometimes you end up paying twice as much for the car. In other words, you could have bought two nice, two cars or one really nice car. Like, you know, and so, and I, I just never thought of money in that way. And so as I got older and I began to see, wait a minute, people use money to make money. People, it's called investing. And that's what Jesus talked about. Jesus told the third guy, he said, man, you could have at least put my money in the bank and then I would have got interest for it. That investment. And it's not until you start to think like multiplication that you really understand why tithing is important at all. Because until then, tithing is just money that comes out of your account. But when you understand that in the kingdom of God, anything you place into this growing, living, vibrant soil will multiply, then you're like, wait a minute. As I give to God financially, he, pressed down, shaking together, running over, gives back to me in, in, in ways that I couldn't do on my own. And that's not a get-rich-quick scheme. That's simply understanding the power of investment. That as I invest my money, there's been so many stories where God has just, I'm not the smartest guy in the shed, sharpest tool in the shed. I'm not the smartest guy around. I don't think about stuff. I don't, I don't plan very well. I'm not, but God has just had mercy on me. Like financially, God's helped me. I remember the very first house that Ro and I bought. We had just got married and, um, she also had kind of an addition mindset, which is uh, if you want to if you want to uh, have money, that means you just save and save and save and save. And so that was her version. And so we got married. We needed a place to live. And so she said, "Well, we should rent someplace rather than buying because he has a down payment and all this uh, responsibility. We should just rent so that we can keep saving some money." And um, she's really good at living below her means and and doing that. And I said, "Babe, but look, we could buy this this re this repoed house, this this house that's got holes in the walls. It's ugly as sin, and uh, we could buy that and have instant equity. That's called investment. That's called multiplication. And then we could like fix it up. I'm kind of good at fixing it up. My family's really good. They, they like we could fix it up and then we could sell it and we could make money. So our house could be uh, a money maker, a multiplication thing. And so she's like, well, I don't know. And so she finally trusted me. We went, we went ahead. We went with it. Uh, we had zero dollars in the bank, I think. But we got an $80,000 loan. It's 80000 bucks, I think. And this is back in 2006 when they were giving out really sketchy loans for no documents, no docs at all. They didn't need to see our bank account. And I was like, really? You don't need to say, no, it's okay. It's a no docs loan. Oh, of course, a no docs loan. So I got a no docs loan for $80,000. Um, but we were, I mean, we we're good for it because we're going to work hard. We're going to make the payments. And so that's what we did. And for six months, my, my parents came down, Peter and, and different ones, my sister, we all, they painted, we, we invested about $5,000 in the furniture and stuff, and then uh, we got this opportunity to live on a horse farm for free. So horrible accommodation, but it's free, and when you're poor, that's what you do. We're like, all right, fine. So we're moving out of this house, and now we can sell this house, and we, we figured after taxes and closing and everything and the money we put into it, we make about $15,000 in six months. That's, for me, that's pretty darn good. Like even now, I, 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 I'd be down for that. That's a good investment. And, uh, and so we put it on the market. We got a real estate agent. They, a buyer comes through. They love it. It's a first-time home buyer. And they agree. They sign on the dotted line. They're going through the whole process. And they're first-time home buyers, and we were first-time home sellers. And so we didn't quite know how it all worked. And basically, I was the one working with, 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 with the real estate agent. And these first-time home buyers, they were like, they're really 
needy. And I don't do good with needy people. I'm like, oh, come on, man, just figure it out. But they're really needy. Like they, want, like they, they were shocked that we moved our couches out. And we like the couches. And I'm like, well, then you should have put it in the contract. It specifically says we keep our couches. And we really like them. Okay, well, I'll sell them to you. I don't want to buy them. Okay, fine, you're not getting the couches. And so it's stuff like that, back and forth, back and forth. You know, they, they, they really wanted the mirrors in the bedroom. I'm like, I already took those down. There are mirrors. And I'm like, well, okay, fine. I'll go put them back up. So I was working with them. Finally, like, it's been three weeks. And we're getting ready to close. And then it's like they want the refrigerator. And I'm like, well, no, this is clearly in the contract. We keep the refrigerator. And they're like, oh, we really want the refrigerator. And my real estate agent says, I really think you should just give them a refrigerator because this will help close the deal. And I'm like, well, if they give me $2,000, I'll give them the refrigerator. And so, you know, they don't want to give us anything. And I'm like, well, fine. I'm, you know, and at this point, I just reached my limit. And I was like, no, we're, you know what? They've given us 1500 earnest money. We'll keep that check. Say, thank you very much for your time. We'll find another buyer. It's all good. And the real estate agent, man, this was so helpful. She said, well, Harry, I really, I think you need to sell it now. I see some things in the economy. This is the summer of 2007. She said, I see some things in the economy happening. Like, I don't really know if, like, if you don't close this sale now, I don't know when exactly you will. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Economy's great. Everything's great. And she said, no, really. And I said, well, you know, I, it's more of a principle thing at this point. You know, I know it's a difference between make, me making 15 or me making 13,000, but it's like, it's just principle. I'm, I'm, I'm done giving them free stuff. I'm just done with that. And so I said, look, we, we'll go find somebody else. And she said, well, what if I give you the $2,000 from my commission? Would you, would you give them the fridge then? I said, well, yeah. <laughs> I said, but you, like, seriously, lady, you don't have to do that. I forget her name, but I'm like, you don't have to do that. Like, I don't want to lose 2000 I don't want you to lose 2000 Like, let's just find another buyer. She's like, no, I really think it's really important that you close this deal. And so I'm, I'm, I'm willing to write that check. I said, well, okay, if it's that important to you, you know, <laughs> let's do it. So we did. We closed. They got the fridge. We got a $2,000 check from this lady. And literally in September of 2007, the economy went like this. And especially the housing market. There was a housing bubble situation going on. And like we moved to Texas in September of 2007. And I remember going back on Zillow and watching the house we just sold for 104000 be valued at like 50000 like overnight. And I'm like, babe, if we, if that, if that real estate agent hadn't like done that for us, we'd be sitting in the house for years that we couldn't sell because we're upside down in it. We never would have moved to Texas. It's amazing to me how God just brings people into my life. They're not even like Christians necessarily, but they're like, okay, fine, I'll give you $2,000. Okay, well, thanks. It was interesting, like nine months prior to that, we had been at my home church in West Virginia, and they were raising money to pay off their building right? And, and, and so they said, they, um, uh, Pastor Wright said, I want you to stand and pray about what you want to give. And Ro and I had just been married like six months or three months at that point. This is in September. And uh, so it's actually just a little over a month. We were there and uh, we were both kind of praying and we kind of, and she, she leaned to me. She's like, so, you know, do you, do you think we should give? I said, yeah, I kind of feel like we should. Uh, pledge. It was a pledge because we didn't have anything to give. So it's like over the next year, can you give X amount of dollars? And so she was like, well, how much? I said, I don't know. What do you think? And, and so I I think I said, well, maybe like a thousand, thousand dollars over the next year. And I, that's all we had in the bank. And I just believe that God's going to give us some money to do this. And so she said, sure. So we wrote in the little card, went down and put it in the offering and we came back and, and she said, you know, I was actually thinking 2000. I think that was the number, right? And 
was it 3,000? She said, I was actually thinking 3,000. And I was like, man, whatever the number was, it's like I had been thinking the exact same number, but I was too scared to say it because that was like, we didn't have it, you know? And uh, it's amazing how then God just gives us that check, like with just in time to write that check to Maranatha, send it off to them, promote the kingdom, build the kingdom. And at the same time, save our tails from a, would have been a really bad investment. I could share story after story about how God just saved our butts because we made a really dumb move and we, were, we didn't even know we were on the edge of like financial ruin. And it's like God just swoops in there and what would have been ruined just ends up being a blessing. So, I'm, I'm, so I, I mean it when I say that investing in the kingdom of God brings actual returns, literal financial, physical house kind of stuff car kind of stuff you know vehicles I mean I've just seen him provide and so I encourage you if you're having trouble with tithing you're like man I don't make enough (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and one of the reasons why you don't make enough is because the principle of multiplication is already in your life it's just you're tithing to Wells Fargo you're just tithing to Chase Bank because those two car payments that you have and the house payment and the credit card, like you're literally more than 10% of your income is going elsewhere. And it's, and it's just going to build them a bigger mansion. <laughs> and it's going to, to bonuses for, 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 for the board. Like it's just, it, it's not going into any kingdom thing. And guess what? Those guys, they just want to take from you. But God wants to bless you. God wants to shake it down, press it down, and and grow something from the seed that you plant in his soil. And so if you don't have enough money to tithe, then you will never have enough money to tithe. Because the enemy wants to keep you poor, impoverished, incapable of supporting the work of the ministry, incapable of sending sending missionaries to foreign countries, incapable of blessing anybody, of helping in. That's, That's where the enemy wants to keep you. But God wants to, what does he say? In Proverbs it says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Now it's not a prosperity gospel message. It's just simply the multiplication, the, the effects of multiplication. And this is how God works with everything in our life. Finances, yeah. Gifts and talents. When you start operating in your gifts and using it for his kingdom, he multiplies it. What do I mean? I mean like, like, like when you walk in here and you meet Romeo and Romeo greets you and he smiles at you and he high fives you, his gift of encouragement is contagious. You get around somebody who's speaking the best about you and encouraging you and reminding you about God, you get encouraged. He's encouraged. He encourages you. You get encouraged. And when you get encouraged, you encourage somebody else. And so the gifts, whatever it might be, whether even if it's playing worship and, 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 and Corey and, and Corey's band is up here rocking out and they're exercising their gifts and it's blessing the people here in the room and the people here in the room are blessing the people up here. So it's like, it's like the natural version of this can be seen in, in rabbits. Rabbits, rabbits get together and they start reproducing a lot. And literally, I think, I, I, was, I was reading up on this this week. I think a female rabbit, after she gives birth to like her litter or whatever it's called, like her, her group of babies, I think it's within like an hour she can get pregnant again. 
And she's not even pregnant for that long. It's not like nine months or anything. And then she has this whole new batch, and then she gets pregnant again. And, and baby rabbits can, can reach maturity and get pregnant within like, like two months. And then they're reproducing. And so, <laughs> and so I know, like, that's often used for sexual stuff. But the truth is, like, this is natural reproduction within God's world. And as his church comes together, Romeo encourages me, and that encouragement passes on to somebody, to somebody else, passes over to, 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 to whoever I'm talking to at the moment. I'm sharing encouragement. You're sharing encouragement. And so sharing encouragement is bouncing back and forth, and we're reproducing. We're, re- we're reproducing joy. We're reproducing hope. This is why church attendance is a part of this idea. But if you see church attendance like you see tithing as addition and subtraction, then all you see church attendance as is the subtraction of an hour and a half of your week. All right, Lord, I'm giving you, I'm giving you Sunday morning. Oh, good job. Let's pat yourself on the back. Look at you giving him stuff. He didn't even have that before. You gave it to him. Lovely. No, man, I'm not giving God anything. I'm investing this is not subtraction. This isn't just going to disappear. I come to church, not something to check off the list. I gave it. Because when you give, it's just gone. It's, off your, it's out of your hands and you forget about it. But when you're investing, man, you're checking on that investment. You want something that's going to, not just, not just you give to it, but you get something out of it. That's the difference. Ro and I kind of swing back and forth between, between addition, subtraction, and investing. And it sort of has to do with whatever's on the horizon. But like a couple years ago, we, we, we bought an RV. And a lot of people, if, you just, if it's just subtraction, then, then what you do is you take the RV and you park it in your driveway and occasionally you use it to go camping. I don't like camping. So instead of camping, we took the RV and we, we rented it out on our property to this, this lovely girl who lives on our property, pays us monthly rent. In other words, and then it's, and it took about a year for her to pay off what we paid for the RV. We, we paid cash. But then after that, I mean, it's just profit. It's just multiplication. So it's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. That has to do with whether or not you use it in a multiplication sense or an addition and subtraction sense. Now, my dream car, that's just a subtraction. A straight up a subtraction. I don't, I don't let anybody drive it. Some, after I got my car, and it wasn't that expensive, but for me it was expensive. After I got it, somebody was like, man, you should like hire it out and let people drive it and stuff for like five hours. They'll pay you 300 bucks. I'm like, it's not worth it. It's my baby. Like, it's not worth it. They'll, they'll ruin the transmission and then I'll be even in greater debt. So no, this is my thing. It's a straight up subtraction from our budget. And the gas that it burns, that's just subtraction. So it's okay to like spend some stuff, to give stuff. That's fine. Uh, to release things, to have some subtractions in your life. Sure, absolutely. But it can, everything can't be that way. Financially, you really need to have some, some multiplication going on. If you ever want to retire someday, you might want to get some multiplication going on. But the same is true spiritually. You can add stuff, but man, you might want to have some multiplication. In other words, when you come to church, what are you getting out of it? And that's not entirely up to me. It's not entirely up to Corey even though we'll blame them if you want. We can just, 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 just between us. But it's not entirely up to the worship band. It's not entirely up to the greeters. It's not up to hospitality. It's not up to the tech team. It's up to you. What do you do with what you've purchased? You've purchased an hour and a half on Sunday. What did you get out of it? What did you, how did you use it? Did you sit down and say, okay, well, here it is. <laughs> 
hit me, hit me, Jesus. All right, do something. <laughs> or, did, or, did, or did you come in and you say, okay, I want, to, I want to use this time to get closer to God. I want to use this time to get closer to the people around me. Like, who do I not know in here? <laughs> how, do I, how, how, how do I focus on God? How do I release stuff from my past? Well, you say, you say, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, well, let me give you some steps to that. First, get here early. That'll help you because then you'll actually meet people. And you'll actually be able to participate in worship, which usually doesn't go as long as it went today, but, but you'll actually be able to participate in it. Well, no, I just want to get there to hear the message. Okay, but that's not all that this is. It's not just Harry up here sharing things from the Bible. This is you participating with the body. It's a bunch of rabbits getting together <laughs> and reproducing joy and reproducing hope and reproducing encouragement and reproducing strength. That's what Scripture says. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but rather, like rabbits, do it even more as you see the day approaching. And he says to encourage one another because that's what it's all about. It's like we need to encourage one another. That's why we have small groups, care groups going on throughout the week so that we can gather in each other's homes and encourage one another even more. And so I'm encouraged by the amount of people who are joining small groups. If you're not a part of one, man, jump into one this week. But don't just attend to check it off your list. Actually get something out of it. Use it like an investment. Rent out that RV. <laughs> you'll miss out on some camping trips, but man, it, you'll, 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 build, you'll build your future a little bit right? To, you don't, don't just spend everything you got. Invest some of it. Invest some of your time with your kids. Don't just, don't just raise them and provide for them, but invest some time where you're sitting down and you're finding out where they are spiritually and you're helping them go to the next level. Get something out of dinner. Get something out of the evening when you're home and you're there with your kids. Get something out of it. Don't just, don't just check it off. Well, I spent time with the kids today. Yeah, but did, you, did, did they get anything out of it? Did you get anything out of it? Did anything happen? Was there any multiplication? Try to, try, try, try to get multiplication in your personal relationships. Right? So you spend time with your spouse. Yeah, but did we talk about anything meaningful? It doesn't have to happen every single time, deep, dark conversations. No, no. But occasionally, are you ever talking or are you constantly avoiding things and you're just spending time? Don't spend time. Invest it. Get something out of it. Allow the principle of multiplication to be activated in your life and that's how God will grow us and grow our faith so father we come before you right now we just ask for the principle of multiplication uh, we know that it's it's already we're it's a part of our life we are multiplying things we're sowing thoughts moment by moment and those thoughts are growing within our minds within our emotions we are multiplying we see multiplication some of us are in debt and we're multiplying someone else's wealth we are multiplying things, but Lord, may we, may we use multiplication for your kingdom. May we multiply our joy. May we multiply our peace. May we multiply our blessings. May we invest in the kingdom and grow, that the kingdom of God might grow all by itself, naturally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. You're dismissed. Have a lovely day. Don't forget to get your kids if you drop them off right over there, 1213 as well. Um, yeah, have a good week.